Hello, welcome. Nesson.com's The Spread, which is also Nesson.com's Football Fix Podcast. I am uh, of Nesson.com fame, Mike Cole, joined, as always, by Ricky Doyle, Andre Kachaturian. Gentlemen, uh, I go away for one week and, and everything goes to hell, uh, which we'll get into. There's some late-breaking news as, as we come on uh, come on the air. Uh, I, 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 was, I was gone for last week. I went to Martha's Vineyard vacation with my beautiful wife and my dog that was a trip that was planned for june got moved back to september so that answers that question my birthday was two weeks ago andre you texted me on my birthday and then <laughs> remember if my birthday was on in september or october so uh that that answers that question wait what um, did i text you yeah you text me yeah <laughs> what did i say happy birthday mike or something like that oh in his own defense, we're, we're coming up upon uh, October here, which is when he says he doesn't, he rarely sleeps. So he was probably just kind of a little discombobulated towards the it's end. It's going to be even worse this year with the with, so, uh, Lakers in the NBA Finals. And we also a have- lot going on. And actually, I guess we're, we're into week four here. We're going to talk about the NFL season. But I, I do want to uh, bring something up that I mentioned on Twitter earlier this week. Are we in the best sports week, American sports week of all time? I mean, is it? On paper, at least, I mean, this is insanity. You, have, you know, well, I, I, guess, would, I would agree with you. I don't think it's the best. It's just too much, you know. It human, is a lot. Yeah. meant to process this much information. It's just a lot. It's. Uh, it probably would have been better, too, had the Tampa Bay Lightning lost Monday night and we would have had a Stanley Cup final game seven with a full week of the NFL, MLB going to, like, a March Madness playoff schedule. Uh College football, the NBA Finals. Andre, as you mentioned to me on Twitter, we've got the debate. You could call that sports, I guess, if you want to yeah. call it that. Uh, there's a lot going on. Sleep is going to be at a minimum. So, uh, you know, clerical I, errors. I do think, though, that the, the bubble environment is, like, you're a lot more invested in it when one of your teams is playing in it. Like, I kind of checked out of the bubble a little bit once. Obviously, I'm a Bruins fan, so my Bruins interest in the NHL playoffs went down a yeah. little bit once they were. I didn't. I I really did not pay much attention at all. Like I I tuned in when I saw the games were gonna, were close or whatever, but yeah. Who won the Conn Smythe Trophy? Uh, Victor Hedman. Wow, that's interesting. Okay. Well, he played like, like football yeah. for like 40 minutes. What's that? <laughs> I said no, but we had to talk. I know. Football. Yeah, I, <laughs> I fell right into that trap. Yeah, just wanted. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to figure out if you hit your. There are features. there are so many people right now who are so pissed off that we've gone three minutes without talking about football, and I apologize to those people. And if those people are watching on YouTube, uh, they should stop right now. Now that they've given us the view, I don't really care. Uh, stop right now. Open their phone. Open their computer. Do whatever they have to do. Go over to iTunes or Spotify. Search for Ness and the Spread. And download, rate, review, subscribe, do all of those things. Carry us with you in your phone. Uh, you know, when you, when you go to the grocery store, I went to the grocery store last night. It is one of my favorite hobbies in the world at this point. I can listen to my podcast in peace. I just walk up and down the aisles. A little stressful, yes, but a nice time to kind of recalibrate my thoughts. So take us with you to the grocery store. Uh, you know, take us with you to the dog park. There's just it, uh, what's better than having us talk about football for 45 minutes or so uh, as you go about your daily life. So make sure you rate and uh, rate and review, subscribe, download iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, your podcasts. And, and if you have to do the YouTube thing, that's fine too. We appreciate it nonetheless. So, 
All right. Well said, Mike. Uh, well said. We're on to week four. Pretty wild. Once week four kicks off, we'll be in October, which is nuts. But that is life in, in this uh, hellscape that is 2020. Uh, before we get into week four games, we'll pick the three best games, and then we'll do our locks and upsets, and we'll get out. Let's see how we did in week three, uh, which was a follow-up to my just fantastic week two performance, I will say. I, I, I led the way last week with a 9-7 and seven record. Uh, Mike, you were 7-9, and nine, and Ricky, you were 5-11. and 11. I, you, were, you started off great in week one. I don't know what's happened to you, Ricky. You're falling apart. Mighty. I was uh, dominating that in the, and after the one o'clock game, so it was like something like seven and two or something, and then it kind of fell off. In the late. I was game. saying, it, Mike, I, last week when you were gone, that I, I was sort of backing what you said the previous week, where yeah. a lot of these games, like you feel like you, you got a good feel for it, and then there's just a lot of late game swings, both with the and you end up falling on the wrong side of the points. So that's not yeah. to make excuses or anything, but like. There were a lot of games, maybe not so much this past week, but definitely in the first two weeks where even when I was wrong, felt good about the pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Felt good yeah. about the read you had on it. But there were a few surprising aspects this week. So I didn't expect the uh, that Monday night game to go the way it did. That was – I think we all whiffed on that. I don't know why Baltimore went away from the run just because they were trailing. Oh, yeah, we're going to stop running the football. Yeah, it's a good they point. did the same thing against the Titans in the playoffs last year. Yeah, they're they're going to be an interesting team to kind of remember moving forward. Baltimore, I mean, uh, they beat the hell out of bad teams, but they struggle with good teams. So that's I I do think I know this is hearsay on Twitter or whatever, but they're the, like Lamar Jackson's skepticism is legitimate in my opinion. But that's that's just one man's opinion. Like I I don't know like. He, I don't think they're going to be able to, like, throw themselves back into games when they fall down like that. Like, I don't, just don't think the passing attack is good enough. I, yeah. Everybody's very quick to put him and Patrick Mahomes in, like, the same tier among the top NFL quarterbacks. But I think the gap between Which those is, two guys is pretty significant. It's garbage. I like, he's not – I Lamar Jackson is the MVP. He was awesome last year. Like, he's not yet in the Wilson, Mahomes – Rodgers, maybe right. echelon yet. He's close, but not only he's there yet. So, guys, let's do week four, and we will start. Uh, let's. Well, first, actually, sorry. I'm, I just want to recap week three because I thought a few interesting things on the trends. Uh, favorites last week went nine and seven against the spread. Road teams went nine and seven against the spread through three weeks. Favorites twenty five and twenty three against the spread. 24-24 split home and road, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, despite home field advantage or lack thereof, uh, that it's it's still pretty even across the board. So, I just thought that was kind of interesting to note. Um, a huge run of overs through the first two weeks kind of came back to the earth, 8-8 eight and eight, uh, over-unders in, in week three. Sorry, now we can get to week four. And I think we should start – we'll call a little audible on our bet card here. We'll start with the Steelers-Titans game. Uh, and as we were getting ready to, to come on the air, if you want to whatever, record, it's, uh, whatever you want to call it, major, major breaking news. Uh, the Tennessee Titans have a COVID outbreak. And uh, I don't know what that's going to mean for this game. We will run through it like it's going to be played. But according to ESPN's Di Diana Rossini, the Titans aren't even going to get back into their facility until Saturday. The game is on Sunday. So that seems like a bit of an issue. Uh, my best guess is this game gets postponed. I actually did a little beautiful mind stuff on Twitter, found a way to play this game. I think in week seven, which is when the Titans have a bye, 
Then you would move the Steelers' Week 7 game against the Ravens to Week 8, a week that both Baltimore and Pittsburgh have a bye. There's ways around it, so they just have to hope that the Vikings, who played the Titans last week, don't have an outbreak as well. But we will operate under the assumption that this game is going to be played Sunday or maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. So so what you're saying is we can just take this soundbite and insert it into our Week 7 podcast. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yes, sure. Uh, We'll just pretend that both teams are – Three and zero. Well, I'll go on vacation that week. When they reconvene, yeah. Um, so it's a bummer because I thought this was a, a pretty interesting uh, matchup uh, before. What was it three Titans players? Was that what it is? Three Titans players and five yeah, coaches yeah. or five staff members. COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Titans are going to host this game in Nashville. Uh, Pittsburgh laying a point and a half, uh, coming off of another win. Both teams three and zero. Total set at 47. Weather doesn't seem to be much of an issue. Ricky, uh, how did you handicap this one uh, coming into it? Yeah, so uh, this all might be moot at the end of the day, as you mentioned. But uh, I I liked the Steelers before this whole thing unfolded. And I, I really liked them, actually. I mean, I look at that. You know, that defense has really just been pretty much a continuation of last season. I mean, number one in the NFL in sacks, blitz percentage, pressure percentage. Um, and while, the, you know, the Titans – dating back to last season been decent against pressure. I mean, I think that their offensive lines pretty legit and just overall how they use play action. They pretty much don't expose Ryan Tannehill to pressure all that much. I think that, you know, with their creativity offensively, uh, I just think with the, the Steelers, their run defense, especially is going to force the Titans to have to throw the football. And if that's the case, then I, I think that's where, where Pittsburgh will thrive. Uh, and then you look at the flip side, that Titans defense, They've been exposed a little bit through the first three weeks of the season. I think that's one been one of the bigger surprises. I mean, we thought that uh, if Tennessee was going to be good this year, which, you know, 3-0 and overall straight up, but 0-3 against the spread, weird team to, to sort of figure out here. Uh, I think we thought a lot of it would be on the back of their defense, and it hasn't really been the case. Uh, Pittsburgh, meanwhile, looks rejuvenated offensively now that they actually have a quarterback. So uh, with it being the, the short spread, I mean, generally they don't, like laying the points on the road, but as you mentioned, the, the home road thing is tough to figure out this year as well. So uh, I like Pittsburgh. Um, and again, we, we don't know what's going to happen with this game, but all things being, this, so I guess I like Pittsburgh even more if they do play this game after the Titans have been outside of their facilities all week. Let me, let me interject real quick. Uh, we use our, our lines off of basically consensus data. So we use pulling from wherever. So I'm starting to see, uh, ActionNetwork.com had just put up a story saying the line is starting to move a little bit. We have it at a point and a half right now. Seeing two, even three in some spots. Uh, so the line obviously and unsurprisingly is moving toward the Steelers, but we'll keep it at a point and a half for, for conversation's sake. So Ricky's on, on the Steelers. What do you think, Andre? Yeah, I agree with uh, Ricky. I think the Titans catch a major break, actually, because of this COVID outbreak. <laughs> uh, it, it, I don't think this game will happen this week. But uh, if it does, you look at the Steelers' defense, as Ricky mentioned, their rush defense, uh, allowing 2.7 yards per carry. Uh, they lead the league in sacks. I mean, that's, how you, that's kind of how you have to beat Tennessee is to limit their running attack with Derrick Henry. Uh, and the Steelers have the ingredients to do so. And both teams are 3-0. and Steelers, however, 15 yards per play differential. Titans are 28. I mean, they're an absolute mirage. They're not a good team. Uh, and I think if they play on Sunday or at any time this week, Pittsburgh will really expose them. And James Conner this year, uh, he always puts up good numbers, but this year 
this seems like he's having this best year, five more than five and a half yards per carry. Uh, and the Titans, they have the one of the worst rush defenses in the league. I think the worst rush defense. They allow five point eight yards uh, per carry. So I think this can get out of hand real quick if they play. Yeah, Titans last in the NFL in yards per carry allowed, uh, 29th in yards per game uh, allowed on, on the ground. And, yeah, Pittsburgh coming off of a, a season-high 169 rushing yards last year or last week. Um, the other thing, too, I, I'm with you guys. I would take Pittsburgh. I At three, it becomes a little bit more of a, a question for me. But at one and a half, I, I, I would have no problem laying the point and a half there. Uh, injuries to Tennessee as well. Ricky, you talked about. Uh, that offensive line, you know, Taylor Lewan's got a, a shoulder injury. He was kind of up in the air. It sounded like, uh, you know, A.J. Brown wasn't going to play. He's got a, a knee injury that's reportedly uh, a significant knee bruise that hasn't responded well to, to treatment. So, you know, take him out of there as well. And, yeah, Andre, to your point, the one thing the Titans do really well or theoretically should do really well is run the ball with Derrick Henry, and that's the strength of that Pittsburgh defense, at least, at least through three games. We saw what they did to Saquon Barkley in week one. Uh, this would have been a, a tough road to hoe for for Tennessee, especially you know when you consider the fact they're zero and three against the spread. Something has to give it at, at a certain point. So uh, I'm not surprised we're all aligned on that one. Again, you know who knows that this is going to be played. I'm with Andre. If, if I could lay a bet on whether or not this game would be played, I would say no. Even if I was you know giving you know there's going to be a ton of juice on that, but um, we'll see. You know by the time this gets uh, pre uh, published, maybe. The game's already been moved, but we, we can only play it by ear, and, and it is what it is at this point. So, uh, sticking to this okay. uh, level of competition these teams have played so far, though. So, that's okay. why I was really looking forward to this game because I think it would have been a good, you know, who's Pittsburgh to go off of moving forward. Pittsburgh's played the Giants, the Broncos, and the Texans. And Texans, yeah. Combined 0 and 9 record. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then I think, I think that's a better body of work than, I don't know. Texans are a good team. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Speaking of, uh, you know, three and O teams that may or may not be a mirage, Chicago Bears uh, returned home to host the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Colts two and one. Uh, Chicago has mentioned three and O total at uh, forty five. The Colts come in here as two and a half point favorites on the road against Chicago. Uh, this is a, a, a interesting matchup to say the least. Like I said, I think. Most people are in agreement that the Bears are a relatively uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uninspiring 3-0. and uh, They are making a switch at quarterback as well. Nick Foles, who came in for Mitch Trubisky uh, in Atlanta last week, will get the start at least for one week uh, against Indy. Uh, this is a, a you know inter- interesting interconference matchup. Andre, who do you got? Uh, it's a rematch of uh, Super Bowl sure. 41. Something like 40? that, yeah. Revenge yeah. game. <laughs> Yeah, Devin Hester going for his revenge. No, uh, I like the Colts in this one. They lead the NFL in yards per play differential. Um, and you talk about the Bears being a mirage. Which 3-0 and team has ever switched their quarterback after going 3-0? and it's, it's just exactly. – I don't think that's ever happened before. Maybe it has. I don't know. But um, the Colts also lead the league in interceptions. Their defense has been remarkable this year. Uh, lead the league in yards allowed per play. This Colts defense looks for real. I, and then Phillip Rivers is a veteran quarterback. He has some good weapons, uh, and you just look at that team, they just look like a more complete team than the Bears do. The Bears look like they have a lot of flaws. They had to do two miraculous comebacks against some crappy teams in the Lions and uh, who else did they come back against? The Falcons to, in order to beat 3 They could easily be a 1-2 and two team right now. 
Um, whereas I look at the, this Colts team and that after that week one loss, which you can easily blame that on having a new quarterback, uh, Philip Rivers in the new system, uh, they seem like they've gotten it together. And sure, uh, you know, they, 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 again, I don't know where I was going into, but yeah, the, the Col- I was going to say the Colts have beaten two winless teams, but they did their job against those two winless teams. They blew them out of the water. So uh, I really like them this week against the Bears as well. Yeah, I might. Uh, if if I was to do anything with this game, I might lean towards the under. I think the total was set at 45. I mean, this these two defenses, this could turn into a, uh, a little bit of a rock fight here. Um, I I think in that with that being the case, I would side on the air of Indianapolis's defense at this point. Um, I think Chicago's defense is still not quite at the level we've seen in previous seasons. Uh, I don't know if that pass rush is as good as it's been in years past. Uh, meanwhile, you know the Colts. Look at them, second in pressure percentage despite the lowest blitz percentage in the NFL. So they're covering guys down the field, and that's going to make life difficult for. For Nick Foles, I think a lot of what you saw in that comeback last week was more an indictment on the Falcons than anything that the Bears did, really. Um, I also like the fact that the, the Colts are uh, only two teams that have allowed fewer yards after the catch. Uh, they don't miss tackles. So they're, they're pretty, you know, well-rounded and just strong defensively. Uh, and I just think that that's going to create problems with that Bears offense. And then on the flip side, you know, the the Bears defense, like I said, I, I don't think it's quite as daunting as it's been in the past. It's good, but uh, I think that pass rush is going to be negated a little bit by both the Colts' offensive line and Phillip Rivers just gets rid of the ball. I mean, it, it's that is the one thing I think it, I worry a little bit about is just laying points with Phillip Rivers on the road because there is that inherent level of uncertainty and unpredictability. But I do look at one thing. Only one quarterback last year held the ball longer than Jacoby Brissett, who obviously was the Colts' starting quarterback. Uh, only three quarterbacks this year have held the ball a shorter period of time than Phillip Rivers. So he gets it, he slings it, and I think that works out well against his Bears pass rush. Yeah, I, he just has to not make mistakes, which has been a bit of an issue for don't him. Screw it up. What's it? Just don't screw it up. Yeah, really, because that is the – I mean, that's the path to Chicago winning this game, right, is – yeah. Philip Rivers throws two picks, puts, you know, Chicago in relatively short yardage, and, and they find ways to, to score a few points. Other than that, I don't know how Chicago scores points. Because you go back uh, – I forget which one of you mentioned. I think it was Ricky saying last week is more of an indictment on the Falcons than it was, uh, you know, Nick Foles in that Chicago offense. Because, like, Foles didn't play especially great. No. And here's the thing, too. And for me this week, I'm big on explosive play stuff. I'm starting to dig into that. I think the stats are finally the, – the metrics are – it's finally starting to mean something. Um, you look at two of those touch. He threw three touchdown passes. One was a 37-yard pa- uh, touchdown pass. The other one was a 28-yard touchdown pass. Indy has allowed just seven plays total of 15 yards or more uh, through the air this week, uh, this season. They're seventh in the NFL, tied for seventh in the NFL in explosive play rankings, uh, passing per sharp football stats. They've allowed the fewest yards per attempt through three weeks. They're not giving up big plays. I think that's the only way – well, the two ways that Chicago scores points this week are either through big plays or, uh, you know, the short fields on, on turnovers. So I don't think they're going to get those big plays. And I think, you know, that um, I, I, I think Phillip Rivers finds a way to protect the ball. Uh, I, I think you can easily say, too, oh, you know, the Colts, they don't allow that many explosive plays. Well, who have they played? But, again, I 
to your point, like it's the Bears offense. I don't think that's yeah. – Right, yeah, exactly. And that's, I think there's a handful of matchups this week. Ricky t- mentioned the under. I think there's a few matchups this week where it's a lot like this, where you start looking at the, the numbers and, and kind of say, uh, you know, what one team does really well against another team. I think there's going to be a lot of unders this week in terms of like just rock fight defensive games. So. It's, uh-huh. it's also, too, the Colts' defense, I mean, you, like you said, Andre, the, the level of competition that they face so far, the Vikings and Jets, I mean, like, that could sort of be your basis for saying, like, is this Colts' defense for real? But just look at, like, the personnel. I mean, this is yeah. – thought this Colts' defense was going to be good, and everything sort of backs up what we – sort of backs up our expectations. I mean, I mentioned, like, the, the pressure percentage in spite of not really blitzing a whole lot. Well, you can do that when you have DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston along your defensive line. Buckner's you been Xavier awesome. Rhodes, who's sort of having a career renaissance on the back end. So, like, they, you know, they have the talent there to be among the game's elite defenses, and it's all sort of falling into place. So, granted, it is that terrible level of competition, but, hey, you can only play who's on the schedule. Oh, and it's not even that terrible. I think the, 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 the Vikings. The Vikings. Yeah. yeah. That's, they, they held Dalvin Cook to 63 rushing yards. Right. And Kirk Cousins – yeah, he has his uh, down that downsides, but he was horrible that game. Eleven of twenty-six with three picks, no touchdowns. That's, I think that's a lot of the Colts' defense, not just Kirk Cousins being Kirk Cousins. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so we are unanimous through two games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, because yeah, I will take the Colts as well. All right, because uh, I think we were kind of we were across the board last week. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Let's go to Sunday, late Sunday afternoon, four twenty-five game CBS uh, Romo Nance special. Uh, you got the New England Patriots coming off of a pretty convincing win over the Oakland – oh, Jesus. The Las Vegas Raiders, uh, they head to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, uh, a Chiefs team that I think uh, we all kind of slept on, and they just went in and ransacked the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. Uh, New England comes in at 2-1. and one, uh, Chiefs, an impressive 3-0 and oh against three pretty decent teams, or at least teams that should have been good. Total set at 54. Seems high. Chiefs, seven-point favorites at home here. Uh, to open the week. Ricky, who do you like? Certainly uh, starting to feel like the Chiefs are uh, the Patriots of recent years with regards to uh, betting. Just set it and forget it. I mean, Unreal. 11-1 and one against the spread dating back to last season. Yep. Um, and it, it's just, I mean, even in those those playoff games last year, because, you know, you fall behind big early and in the blink of an eye, they're right back in the game. And then they you look at the end and they're covering. So, for me, I, I, I'm leaning Chiefs here, even with that sizable spread. I mean, I think that uh, the money that's going to come in on the Patriots is going to be a lot of uh, just sort of banking on the name, banking on the coaching. But I just look at the talent gap between these two teams, and I think it's pretty significant. I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably going to be the last one to come around on the Patriots this year because I just – what they do offensively, I, I just – still like trying to figure out their identity and I don't know what's sustainable and what's not. Uh, and meanwhile, I just, you know, if the, the chiefs are able to show up defensively like they did on Monday night against the Ravens, slow down that rushing attack, force the Patriots into some third and longs, and you're just giving the ball back consistently to Patrick Mahomes and company. I just think it could be a, a long day for the Patriots. Uh, there's just too much. I, the main thing is speed. I mean, there's just, you look at the sheer speed. If this is a foot race, Oh, my God. I mean, the Chiefs, the advantage there is just off the charts. So, that is uh, – It's uh, a lot of points, but uh, I'll lay them. Before I hand it over to Andre, that is something I have in my notes. I, uh, our, one of our Nesson.com Patriots writers, Doug Kide, mentioned this in his, like, rewatch piece this morning. 
that they've had to move Jawan Bentley to the outside linebacker, who they thought was supposed to be like the centerpiece of their defense without Dante Hightower because he's not fast enough. And he, he lacks that lateral quickness, which is something that almost certainly would get exposed against a team like the Chiefs, to your point, Ricky, who have just so much speed on the offense, whereas the Patriots, you know, their biggest issue on their defense is, is a lack of team speed. So that is something to keep in mind. Andre, who do you like in this it's one? Just, to me, the Patriots, oh, I just think they feel like a team that if they're going to go up against – inferior competition or you know if they like beating the Raiders is the perfect example yeah. like they're, they're going to be able to expose some teams flaws but when you face a team like the Chiefs whose flaws are minimal if there are any then it's just you're, you're asking them to you know you're asking for their their best players to step up and quite honestly I don't know who the Patriots best players are so far. Well, you say oh Chiefs flaws are minimal but they do have a very major flaw and it's their rush defense uh which Baltimore exposed throughout that first half, first quarter, I guess, in that Monday Night Football game. And then for whatever reason, they decided to not run the ball at all. And Lamar Jackson, he's pretty – could be limited sometimes when it comes to throwing the ball. Uh, you know, one thing the Patriots have done this, this year is run the ball. They're third in the league in uh, rush attempts. And you know who's second in the league in rush attempts? Los Angeles Chargers, who almost beat the Chiefs in week two because they dominated the time of possession – in that game, 40 minutes of time of possession in that game, the Chargers did. Uh, and they almost came out and beat the Chiefs. They went to, it was a 23 to 20 game. I don't think the Patriots, if they fall behind in this game, they, I don't think they're going away from running the ball. I think they're going to continue to run the ball because they, they, they just have to. I mean, they, they, their wide receivers are limited. They, they don't have that explosiveness. And I think Bill Belichick's smart enough where he knows that he runs the ball against his weak rush defense. He can eat up some clock, keep the ball away from uh, Patrick Mahomes' uh, hands. And that's the way you beat the Chiefs. Keep the ball away from him. That, if he has the ball, he's going to beat you. Win the time of possession, you'll win the game. I think the Patriots do that this week, and they cover. I'm with Andre, at least in terms of the covering. Because uh, I'll take the points of the Patriots. Uh, Ricky raised a lot of good points. And, you know, there is – I think it either is – you know, I, I could see this coming down to a field goal, or I could see – you know, the Chiefs winning 45 to 7. And if the latter happens, then I'll just wear it. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, for me, it comes down to the running game. And you look at – I thought this was interesting. It, going back to the explosive play stuff, uh, the explosive run rate, Chiefs rank second in the entire NFL. They're not giving up huge runs, which is I thought was really interesting considering they're 28th in the league in yards per carry and 27th in yards per, allowed per game. That makes me think that, you, get, you know, a pay, the Patriots are going to run the ball – a hundred times, try to play keep away. I think they have, a, you know, the, the, the personnel to do that. They are through three weeks, seventh in time of pres uh, possession. Uh, you know, so I think this is just going to be one of those, uh, you know, keep away, you know, just run the ball a lot, try to shorten the game. Uh, classic, like keep the other guy, the best defense is having the ball. Uh, I, I think they find a way to do that because I'm not convinced that the Chiefs can't stop the run at a, a consistent enough basis. I will say though, and this is why I think I w if there's a, if it's a blowout, I wouldn't be shocked either. You're walking a very tight rope in that regard, because I do think that when the chiefs get the ball, uh, they're going to make the most of their opportunities. Cause you know, to Ricky's point, I just wonder how much, uh, you know, offense or defensive talent or speed or skill, whatever you want to call it, the Patriots have. Uh, and to that point, I will say the Patriots just, you know, can you limit the big plays? They've struggled to do that this season. They're allowing seven point yards, 7.8 yards per pass attempt, just 27th of the league. That's more than two yards worse per pass attempt than they were last season when they led the league. You saw that in Seattle. That was a big issue, giving up uh, big plays. 
in the past, it feels like it's something that Bill Belichick has done really well, right? It's like, can you just limit the big plays? Let's don't let anybody get behind you. I just assume maybe they'll find a way to do that this week, just enough to keep it close. I think the Chiefs ultimately win, but I think they, the Patriots can keep it within the touchdown. But even if that happens, I think it's important to not go away from the script and continue to run the ball. We saw in the Bills-Rams game this week. What was it, 28-3 to at one point the Bills were beating the Rams. The Rams didn't get away from the run. They continued to run the ball well. Daryl Henderson had 114 rushing yards. They got back in the game just by running the ball and sticking to their uh, script from the start of the game. When they ended up winning the time of possession, they almost came back and they won that game. If you fall behind big, even if it's 21 nothing in the first quarter, stick to the run. That's, that's how you're going to beat the Chiefs. I am wondering how that Patriots offensive line holds up. I mean, yeah. You can get away with it with Joe Tooney playing center when you're going up against the Raiders and the game plan kind of eliminated any possibility of that Raiders pass rush doing anything, which isn't, isn't a good pass rush to begin with. Now you got Chris Jones lining up over him, Mike Pinnell in the middle. That Chiefs pass rush could cause some problems to the Patriots. I will say they that aren't able to run the ball. That would have been a major, major issue if there were 70,000 fans in the stadium this, this week where it's yeah. like, you got a new center in there. I know Tooney is, you know, one of the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL, but like calling out blitzes, blitz pickups and, you know, protection slides and things like that would have been far more difficult. And I still think what was it, like 7,000 fans or whatever at Chiefs games. I know they had a handful or whatever. Um, but that's, yeah. Another thing in this weird season, you just got to keep in mind. It's not much of an issue. All right, let's do uh, locks and upsets. Andre, who's your lock? I like the Saints over the Lions. Uh, I forget what the spread is on that right now, but uh, the Saints, they're for they a break this week finally. The first three weeks of the season, they had to get all these high profile games. Week one against Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's first game. Week two, Monday night against Vegas in that uh, first game of that in that new stadium. And this past week of Sunday nighter against the. Uh, it's the Packers. Now they're four-point favorites on the Four, road against yeah. the Lions. I think this is, you know, just having a nice one o'clock game against the, a really bad team is going to help them get things back together. Um, the Lions are 27th in uh, yards per play differential. Meanwhile, the Saints are seventh. So that's a huge gap. I think the Saints are, you know, they're they're still one of the best teams in the league despite the last two games. I'll take the Saints over the Lions. Uh, I'll take the Cowboys. Four and a half point favorites over the Browns. Uh, Cleveland coming off back-to-back wins. You know, the last time they were above 500 was going into week 15 of the 2014 season. They also haven't beat a team, an NFC team since November 2014. So <laughs> a lot of bad Browns teams obviously mixed in there. So do whatever you want with those trends. But uh, this is mostly just a, I, I think that this is the week where Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland's passing attack is going to have to do something. I mean, the, the last two weeks, they've sort of relied on the ground game, understandably hey, so, against Sorry, to interrupt, Ricky. Uh, you haven't beat an NFC team since 2014? On the road. On the road. Okay. They just beat Washington. Right. Never mind. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, that, that Cowboys defense, obviously some issues there in the secondary, but still generated some pressure against Seattle. So, hopefully they turn it around at some point. I think this is the week. Interesting. I will take, uh, and this is going to be a, a segue into our locks uh, segment. I'm taking the Houston Texans uh, to, uh, as my, excuse me, this will, I got uh, messed up. This will lead us into our upset segment, uh, but I'm taking the Texans as, uh, what is it right now? Three and a half point favorites at home against Minnesota. 
What the hell's up with the Vikings, by the way? Uh, I thought they were supposed to be a good defensive team. They are last in the NFL, an explosive pass rate allowed. Uh, that is like the one thing that Houston does well is that they can, you know, Deshaun Watson can get big plays, uh, big chunk plays through the air. Uh, I think he has a, a big game uh, against the Vikings. I think they find a way to chuck it around uh, and finally get off the Schneid, a team that has played, you know, some fairly competitive games despite a brutal schedule to start the year. So I will take the Texans laying three and a half at home against the Vikings. Let's do uh, upsets. Why don't you start it off, Andre? Yeah, that, that, that lock of yours leads to my upset, <laughs> which is the Vikings over the Texans. So I like Minnesota's running attack here. You say, why? what's wrong with Minnesota? I think it's just, you know, uh, played some tough opponents. Houston's played some tough opponents too. They had yeah. they've played Baltimore and Kansas City. But I think Minnesota's running attack will take, take advantage of the Houston rush defense that allows 5.2 yards per carry, fifth most in the league. And the Vikings lead the league in yards per carry with six yards per carry. They need to keep feeding Dalvin Cook, and they'll win this game. They, and they also need to stop turning the ball over. Uh, Minnesota has a negative five turnover differential. But Houston, this year, grand total of zero takeaways. So they're not, they don't really turn the ball yeah, over. Yeah, because they played really good teams. <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah. <laughs> Look, I have to pick an upset, all right? I understand. The Vikings are <laughs> allergic to the football, though. So, uh, Ricky, who do you like? Uh, I'll take the Raiders. Right now, I think they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Uh, facing hosting the the Bills, who had an emotional comeback against the Rams. That game was all over the place, um, making better sweat that one out. Um, there's actually a couple games in a row where the Bills have been sort of all over the place. They had that Dolphins game as well. So I just think that they're sort of due for an emotional letdown here. Uh, I think the Raiders get a better performance this week from the combination of Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. They were both on the injury report last week. Uh, Patriots did a good job taking Waller away. Uh, coming back home, they also the Raiders were coming off that short week when they traveled to Gillette, so won't have that to contest with. I think this is a good spot for a uh, for an underdog to win outright. The Nathan Peterman Bowl. <laughs> uh, I'll take the Jacksonville Jaguars as three point road dogs against Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I have in my notes. I hate how much I like this pick, but. Um, I guess if you're going to tell me that I can get points against Cincinnati, I'll take it, even though I love Joe Burrow and he's always a, uh, you know, the guy just loves, uh, loves the backdoor cover, loves keeping it close. Uh, he is, you know, I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in short time, but this is, seems like a bad matchup. Uh, Cincinnati's run 225 plays this season. That's, that's a lot. That's actually second in the NFL. Uh, but they've had the worst explosive play percentage in the entire NFL. They have, of those 225, just six have been explosive for sharp football stats. Uh, <laughs> that tells me they're just not, you know, I guess they've had a couple nice drives where they're stringing together uh, uh, plays, but they're just, the, the explosiveness isn't there. And now you've got a Jacksonville defense that's actually has been pretty stout. Uh, 11th against the run, uh, tied for third against the pass when it comes to explosive plays. So they don't give up big plays. So I think there's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I think, again, another theme of the week, rushing success. Uh, Jacksonville, 4.9 yards per carry. That's six in the NFL. Uh, and they've been they, – they proved last year when these two teams met that they can run against Cincinnati. They ran the ball 44 times for 216 yards and a 27-17 win. I think we see much of the same this week. Uh, Jacksonville, you know, they've been pretty competitive for a team that everyone thought would be just terrible. So – uh, I think they find a way to win this game in Cincinnati. This is a football game that I would not watch unless I was wagering money on. And even then I'd be hard pressed to, to tune in, but 
Uh, give me the Jaguars covering or uh, winning outright uh, while getting three at Cincinnati. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, Anything else, guys? Coming off that huge Thursday night. What a Thursday night That's slate. That's a horrible Thursday Back night. to back. Yeah, the Jaguars, Dolphins last week, and you got Broncos, Jets this week. Oh, my God. Ooh, yeah, baby. Do something else on Thursday. That the, the Thursday night games did not factor into my uh, my question earlier about this being the greatest week yeah. in American sports history. This well, we, we we can we can always watch uh, playoff baseball on Thursday. So. That's right. Good point, Andre. Go Padres. Sure. Um, and by the way, I was looking for I I, w- I couldn't find it. I just looked really quickly at like prices you can bet on like the World Series matchup. I I don't know what it is, but like if I can get like 150 to one on. Marlins Rays, I'm locking in that in because it just feels like a perfect uh, ending to this wild season. So, the great year for Florida sports. Yes, that's true. Lightning winning the cup, Rays are first in the AL. Uh, Heat are in the finals, and and the finals are in Orlando, and the Bucks have Tom Brady. What was it? So, Marlins Marlins Rays played in Arlington, just how we always wanted. (laughs) What a reward for, for just a you know, tremendous job. It's coming of, early this year. A tremendous job of handling everything this year by Florida, who has really, you know, handled everything that's coming to war with a plum and <laughs> really set the standard for how the rest of the country should operate in trying times. So congratulations, Florida. You earned it. Um, go uh, go uh, listen to this on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Um, <laughs> what a transition. When you're uh, when you're in the car on the way to the bars in Florida, <laughs> maybe pre-gaming for the for a trip for the bars in Florida, throw on the spread, uh, iTunes, Spotify, rate review. Uh, um, if you're in Florida and you're offended by what we've said in the last three minutes, maybe don't review or rate. But uh, other than that, we will see you again next week. That's Andre, Ricky, I'm Mike. We'll be back again uh, with the spread. See you then. Bye.